Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Experts Weekly, hosted by Bob Bear and brought to you by BestSellingExperts.com. Experts Weekly is a highly educational show focusing on branding, marketing, publishing, public speaking, and publicity. The Experts Weekly show features outstanding guests, including best-selling authors, highly sought-after speakers, successful entrepreneurs, strategists, trainers, visionaries, and thought leaders. Experts Weekly, where best-selling experts reveal proven strategies, tools, and tactics to succeed, profit, and make an impact. And now with you, your expert host, Bob Bear. Good day, this is Bob, and we're here for another day for learning, each of us, how to become the authority in our particular field. And the way that we're going about doing that is that we're talking to various experts and finding out their experiences, their history, and what they've learned about being an expert and becoming an expert. Today we're going to be talking with J.W. Nigerian, a social networker who has linked thousands through various social networking platforms. On LinkedIn, he started two groups that have over 35,000 connections. J.W. took the commercial real estate group and started his own social networking website that now has over 4,400 commercial real estate professionals and investors that exchange various services, funding, and deals. He recently started On Purpose magazine, which I've been reading lately, J.W., where he interviews authors, speakers, thought leaders, and celebrities about inspiring, educational, entertaining, and cause-related topics. J.W. has interviewed over 200 celebrities and well-known speakers and authors. And I have to say, J.W., that not only are you a social networker, but when I think of social networker, I think of the Internet. But having met you in person, I know that you are a good networker in person, a connector, and what some people would even refer to as a network hub because of all your connections. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Bob, for having me today. It's truly an honor to be on your show. Uh, we get to do a little interview before together, and uh, I've been following you ever since. Great show. You do such a fantastic job, and uh, just really am honored to be here. Thank you. Great, great. Well, like I said, you know, in, in a person's bio, it always has what they are, and you're called a social networker, but you've done so many other things. You're, you're a well-rounded person. Am, am I not correct that you haven't just been a social networker the last few years? No, I. You know, my uh, resume reads like a uh, a journal for you know uh, <laughs> adult deficit disorder. <laughs> okay, good, good. I'm in I'm in good company then because I'm the same way. Especially earlier in my life, it seemed like I just I had the well I still do I had the sh- the shiny object syndrome. I used to get bored after two or two and a half years of doing any one thing, which is good because you get a lot of experiences, but eventually, you know, when you hit around 50, you start saying, what am I going to be when I grow up? (laughs) Well, I I kind of made the mistake. First of all, I I started out in, uh, you know, out of high school, I joined the Forest Service. I wanted to be a naturalist, and my parents were afraid that I would grow long hair and do, you know, most strange <laughs> green, green things. Thing. So, so uh, I moved on, on to, to uh, the, the, the service, service that, that, um, and, got, and got training there, there in computers, computers and decided to go get my marine electronics, electronics become, an become an engineer. engineer. And, and I think I, I had, had a, just three weeks three before, before I was going, going to graduate, graduate. I had I a desk waiting for me at Pomona, California, at the General Dynamics. Facility, facility. Mm-hmm. And, and then two weeks two or three weeks, weeks before, before I graduated, graduated school, school, they laid off about 8,000 people and closed down the plant. Oh, man. So, so I, had I had to move. move I had to take that, that uh, computer, computer basic training, training that I had gotten, gotten in the service, service and, and I used that, that and I switched over. over. And I did stay with that for almost 30 around 30 years. But luckily in IT, you get to see many different clients for many different reasons in many different industries. And so it did keep it interesting for me. Until I hit around 50 and realized that maybe I wanted to try something different, jumped into commercial real estate just as it crashed in the last year, about 2006. 
So it's been an interesting ride. Well, let let me jump right in with a personal question, J.W. Sure, sure. Um, Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Um, Definitely definitely gregarious and and extroverted. Okay, okay. Because most most people that are great networkers and great connectors like you are. But in the process of all of the connections you've made, and you've interviewed so many people, and not only have you interviewed them, you've connected them with other people mm-hmm. that help them, I know that you've run into a lot of introverts. Um, yes, yes. Which I'm, is an interesting subject to me, because I... I guess I was probably born an introvert, and I've learned, I've adapted how to react differently. Um, I'm, I just bought a book with great interest by uh, Susan Cain called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. <laughs> <laughs> My question to you is, as a great networker and a person that's very involved in social networking, don't you believe that online social networking has been helpful and a boon to people that are introverted in in social situations? You know, that's a great great question, question, Bob. I think think you've really really hit on something. something. I've never thought thought about it in those terms, terms, but but, uh, uh, it makes makes sense. sense. I started started out as an introvert. I was very shy, and I just was the kind of guy who never believed that anything I said had any importance. And then somewhere along the way, I couldn't shut up. And uh, uh, I became this, this extremely, extremely extra, extroverted guy. guy. Um, um, and now I've had to actually reel it back, back yet. Because if you, nowadays, nowadays with, the, especially, especially with the Internet, the Internet good sales, sales is, of, you know, has always been based, based on building relationships. Mm-hmm. And I know and we, I know talk, we about talk about the guy who can sell ice Eskimos. But I found through various sales journeys I've been through in IT and network marketing and different things, that the guy who can bring in a thousand people to a network marketing situation or just sell this ice Eskimos uh, probably won't sell later on. Or, you know, the thousand people will drop out. So out of thousand people, mm-hmm. you get you know, nine people left in and the rest of them manage you. So good sales, I believe, has always been relational. And you can't build community and build relationships without listening, not talking all the time. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And actually there are there are aspects I think of someone being quieter and introverted that gives them an advantage because they are sometimes better listeners and they can make deeper connections and deeper relationships because they're willing to listen to the extroverts while they talk. Right. Oh, and there's that famous saying, Bob, I remember, uh he who talks loses. Uh huh. So if you're in a deal and you're negotiating, the first guy to talk loses the negotiation. So a person who sits down and can be patient, can patiently listen, might win. Mhm. Mhm. Well, I know we have we have some questions we usually go over and talk about on this program, but mm-hmm. maybe we'll get to those later. But I'm just kind of interested in in finding out from you, JW. How you came about getting involved in social media and and social networking uh, was it while you were in real estate? Is that is that how you started this, or was it before then? Well, actually, it started uh, when the first internet came out with me. Since I was an ITA, I hung around a bunch of nerds and geeks. That, uh, besides Dungeons and Dragons, they wanted to. <laughs> Uh, be on these chat rooms, what they called in those days the bulletin boards. Okay, I, I, these. I sure do. I was the co-system on um, one of the largest uh, bulletin boards in Los Angeles. And those were the days when an email would go across country. It would take uh, an amazing four days if somebody didn't take off for the weekend and forget to um, manually move their mail to the next server. Oh, wow. So, but it, that was pretty incredible. I mean, because you could get a, you could get mail across the United States for three or four days for free. How cool is that? Uh huh. <laughs> but no, I started with uh, bulletin boards, and I went into, you know, I did a lot of chat room stuff. Um, ICQ is one of my favorites when I was younger. Um, but I really, really never did the social thing until after um, 
when I was in IT for a while and I left to, to get into commercial real estate, when the market crashed, I realized that I needed to kind of pull myself up at the bootstrap and find a way to deal with the commercial industry through the Internet. Mm-hmm. And that kind, of, that kind of repelled me into really getting busy with social media. LinkedIn was one of my, the first areas I really built. Then, of course, Twitter. and I, was, I, I held out on Facebook for quite a while, and, but until uh, recently. You, you held out. That means it sounds like you've kind of given up on it. I, you know, I couldn't understand it. It was just laid out so wrong. <laughs> just no, nothing worked. <laughs> and they were changing stuff all the time. And to be honest with you, it, I just saw it as another MySpace thing. LinkedIn was so much more business-oriented and made so much more sense than Facebook. Um, then, you know, somewhere down the line you realize you need to be on Facebook because that's where everybody's at. But LinkedIn is still a very, very powerful business uh, site. Mm-hmm. Especially for B2B. Yeah. And and so in in your case, you were truly being in real estate was truly bricks and mortars business. Mm-hmm. And so you were looking for a way to take advantage of the electronic media of the internet to help you in your your bricks and mortar relationships. How did how did that work? Well, it's funny uh, because it kind of led me to where I'm at today with media as opposed to doing the commercial real estate thing. I, I was working. I was on LinkedIn, and I met a lot of people in commercial real estate, and was and I was building numbers quickly because I kind of knew what I was doing. Uh, and I realized that you know this was a great place to do deals. So I started trying to work deals out, and a company saw, saw me on on there and said, "Hey, we want to hire you. Looks like you know how to do the social media thing, and uh, we're going to teach you all about underwriting and." Loans and so I became a uh, loan rep for a commercial broker, and I did learn a lot. Um, but the deals weren't going through. It was just the era of there was just no deal. There was plenty of money out there, but no deals. So I still needed to do something. So I kind of married my skills with media and to help the commercial industry out. So I started doing interviews of economists and local bankers, you know, uh, to tell the guys in the industry, hey, these bankers, they're, it's a whole new paradigm out there. Uh, they want to see packages different. They, they want to see business done differently. And so we need to go out there and ask them what they want because everybody who's on the board bitching and moaning about how nobody would give them money and nobody would do their deals and they couldn't find deals. So I kind of built this thing called the Commercial Real Estate Professional Investors Group to bring people like brokers and investors together so that we could all put our resources together to get deals flowing again. And believe me, I didn't save the industry by any means, but uh, I do have a very robust site where people do trade a lot of uh, great information about deals that they have and money they're getting and how to do that. And with the advent of me doing industry interviews, that helps them understand from, an, from a professional standpoint what the professionals want from them. Well, in other words, in my, my quick summary and interpretation of what you just said is that, that was a as, yeah. as, a, as a networking hub, you probably have done more good making connections for other people than you have for yourself. Yes, because I'm, I'm no longer actually looking to do deals. I'm yeah. putting out media, right. But in the long run, just the law of reciprocity says that because you've helped so many people in so many ways, it will come back to you. I mean, you are definitely, uh, you've definitely become well-known not only in the real estate industry but in other industries just because of your kind of your hobby of being willing to interview people and put them on video and put them on the Internet. People have gotten to know you. And, yeah, well, yeah, and you, you interview people, so you kind of know – the difference between a boring interview and, a, and a, an exciting interview. And to be mm-hmm. honest with you, interviewing uh, economists around the world about CMBS and uh, all this <laughs> other you know, stuff and NOI and IRR gets a little dry and boring. Yeah. So I, I got really hot on Twitter. And Twitter at one time was the, one of the hottest things you could be on if you wanted to market. It was just the, just the hottest marketing tool out there. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to build quickly 
on Twitter, very large following. So I actually was working for a few um, pseudo-celebrities and thought leaders and speakers getting their Twitter numbers up. And I won't, uh, I won't mention their names because they probably don't want to be mentioned. And I kept it pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. But I thought, hey, since I know some you know, pseudo-celebs and a couple authors and some Hollywood people, maybe I'll get a couple interviews to have some fun. And, you know, because these might be fun interviews. And mm-hmm. as it turned out, they were. They were. It's really something else to sit in with an author who can tell this incredible story. And you just ask him a couple questions, and, and, he's, and you get this most intriguing conversation coming out. Uh, and I, I really fell in love with that. Uh, and so that's what kind of moved me towards the magazine, was getting to uh, speak to these pseudo-celebrities at the time, uh, to talk about just really interesting subjects that would really interest me as opposed to, you know, dry and boring things. That is a that is a big change for you, going from electronic social media conversations going to the magazine. But you're, I think, were you looking for more depth for the ability to go into a subject deeper? Yes, you know, there was... I, you know, I talk to a lot of branding people, and some people say, yes, brand yourself, and some people say, don't brand yourself. I've come to the conclusion, um, I used to call my, my magazine JW on Purpose, and mm-hmm. Simon Mainwaring, who's one of the world's top leading branding people in the world, hey, Simon, if you're out there, um, he told me, don't, don't name it your name. How do you sell a company like that? And I said, well, I didn't want to sell it, and he goes, you, you, you run every company like you want to sell it, okay? <laughs> and if you call it your name, it's going to be hard to sell. So um, a, a friend of mine who would put, give me the, you know, so the, it was actually a friend who called me and said, you're, you know, your magazine is really about cause and purpose. You should call it JW on purpose. And so I called them back. And they said, just call it on purpose magazine. And that's how it ended up that way. And it's really great uh, because I really get to, Celebrities like to talk. I really enjoy talking to celebrities. They like to talk to me, and they love to talk about their foundations and their the things that they really like. Of course, I talk to celebrities because it gets me eyeballs and, and it's enjoyable. But I really like talking to authors and thought leaders and you know people like yourself that have really interesting stories and really interesting things to say and can usually impart a lot of information on my uh, viewers or my listeners because. I always tell anybody I interview, as you do, I don't want to do an infomercial for you and your product. Uh, if you can't give me 90% meat and 10, you know, we'd be. If you give me 90% meat, I'll be happy to give you 10% promotion. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's really and, all about content, as you know, Bob. Yeah, and and growing more and more that way, just in the in the. Um, well, as as you know, you. Uh, one of the articles I read, and I don't remember who wrote the ebook, but you have an ebook, kind of an expose about the uh, speaking from the platform in the conference industry mm-hmm. on On Purpose magazine. And in that industry, which I have been a part of for years as an attendee and seminar buyer, and and now this fall putting on a conference of my own, I've seen. Yeah, it. congratulations! I heard about that. How wonderful! Thank you. We're we're excited about it. We're looking for forward to it. It's um, more power live. Morepowerlive.com. And you but, got some great guests. I just spoke to Laura Langemeyer. She's going to be there. Ursula mm-hmm. Magentes, I think her name is. She's going to be there. Mm-hmm. You got some. You got some really great people. Jay Conrad Levinson. Oh, okay. I, I really like Jay. I don't know if you've ever no, met him no, before, but he's he's uh, the author of uh, Guerrilla Marketing, and I've learned a lot of things about him since I've uh, gotten to know him. In fact, including the fact that he was on the team that developed the Marlboro Man. Ah. And, uh, he had some really interesting stories. He used to teach. Uh, he used to teach at Berkeley, teach marketing at Berkeley. In one of his first classes, he had uh, Michael. Dell, Bill Gates, and Steve Jobs in his class as long-haired teenagers. <laughs> wow, he's, he's full of really interesting stories. You would you would love interviewing him. 
just like you said, people that you interview that are authors that have had a life full of experiences have a lot of interesting, just amazing things to to disclose to you. But back back to, I, I digress. Back to the subject of uh, of conferences and speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, different things evolve, and just like social networking is constantly evolving, the speaking platform and the teaching platform is evolving. They it evolved in a bad way for a while to to where it was just. Uh, total pitch fests where you know you would have a different speaker every 60 minutes and they were all in a contest as to which one of them could sell the highest dollar amount in 60 minutes of selling. And right. I think that was just exhausting to go to one of those conferences and all you are is, you know, you're putting up your sales resistance all day because of all the offers that are being thrown out there. And so... Then it evolved uh, with people like Brendan, Brendan Bouchard, who have put mm-hmm. a lot of content into their seminars, and, and right. maybe at the very end he has he has things to offer, but there's things of value. And so I think I think that content is really important, whether it's social networking or conferences. And so I'm one of my thoughts is I am I am really working, and even in the process now as we set things up and arrange things to try to create a new paradigm where it's more content-filled and the the selling part is just a natural byproduct of things that people want when they want to continue their education. Well, yeah, you know, it's you got first of all you got to ask for the sale. So it's not really where you put it out there and hopefully they'll come. Uh but but let's talk about what you just said. Uh the the dip, the science about it is called inbound and outbound marketing. Mm-hmm. And when you do outbound marketing, that's cold calling trade shows, email slamming, um, you know, anything where you're putting out information. And what do you what do you do every time you get a cold call? Do you tell them to take you off the list? Every time you get crappy mail, you know, this uh, spammy mail, you throw it in your waste paper basket. Mm-hmm. Every time you get spam in your box, you delete it. I mean, how often do you open up spam or open up that crappy uh, spam mail that you get? and start buying stuff and looking at it, almost like never. So for all the money you put out to slam people with all this information, even cold calling, I mean, it just, it just, doesn't, it, it just doesn't work very well. And you're, you have competition for thousands of other people doing it, so you're just ticking people off, essentially. So there's a new way of doing it, using the Internet, and it's really not, it's not the new way. It used to be called the yellow pages, but we call it now inbound marketing. And inbound marketing is where they Google you. Because a guy is looking for a shoe. Mm-hmm. And he Googles shoe. And the top shoe people come up. And uh, that's SEO, you know, you know, search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. So if you're optimized to the top when they type in shoe, you're going to be the company that they usually, that they click on. And they're going and if they, if they get to your site and they see the shoes that they want or an easy site to get around on, they're going to stay and buy a shoe from you. If they see a, an, a site that has tigers on it, then they're going to do what we call bounce. They're going to go away. They're never going to go look for the shoes. Mm-hmm. You only get, they say uh, the studies show that uh, the average human has about a nine-second or six-second attention span, which is about that of a goldfish. So if you don't <laughs> catch them right away, they're gone. Mm-hmm. So this is inbound marketing. This is a, essentially a, a guy, instead of yelling out to the room all the stuff he wants you to hear. He usually He's sitting in the corner talking about all the wonderful things he can do, and the people that hear him and are interested in his stuff come to him. So they Google you, they come to you, they see an article you've done, they come to you. These are now very focused and targeted people that want what you have, and now if they trust because you've given them great information, have a greater possibility of buying from you. So that's the inbound marketing. And that's, a, that's what they call organic marketing uh, also because of the fact that the people come to you naturally. You're not out there grabbing them or, or pitching them. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And that's where content comes in. And we talked about this before. If I have one piece of content I put out a month, at the end of the year I have 12 pieces of content. Uh, you finding me on Google with billions of pieces of content is going to be almost nil. So if you put out one piece of content a day, you're going to have 365 pieces of content at the end of the year. That's a little better. And if you put out some videos and some blog and some podcasts and 
it's going to triple. It's going to take whatever you have and triple that number. So mm-hmm. the more obviously the more content you have out, the easier it is for people to find you and like what your stuff. They'll go look at more, and then when they see an ad here and there, it's not so bad. People actually like to shop. Mm-hmm. It's the old days. Uh, PetSmart. They said, remember the they had the commercial on the uh, Super Bowl. And then, the, uh-huh. you know, a week later, they were no longer a company. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the number one reason they didn't survive was not like everybody thinks, that uh, they, they just got too much money from the stock market and thus they crashed. Actually, they turned down the last bit of money, they, which they probably should have taken. The reason they crashed was because at that time in our society, people didn't trust credit cards on the web. They had to have a whole department just to explain to people that it's okay to put your credit card in, that you're not, you're not going to get ripped off. Well, nowadays we don't care. We're, we'll yeah. throw our credit card all over the place on the web because we know it's just as dangerous there as it is at the local restaurant. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. take, you know yeah. pick your poison, I guess. Um, so people now buy a lot on the web. And if they mm-hmm. see what they like on your place, uh, they're going to buy from you, especially if they trust you. Now, what you've just described, you've come full circle to what I typically talk about when I'm talking about ways to uh, position yourself as an expert, ways to become an authority in your field. What you're saying is that if you cause people to come looking for you using organic, whatever, in your case, organic networking, organic SEO, organic marketing, but to do that, you have to you have to put yourself in the position of having people find you and look at you with credibility as an expert, as an authority. And one of the best ways to do that, to have people give you that respect, is to educate them. Mm-hmm. Experts educate other people. They give them information. And so uh, social networking and what you're talking about, like your uh, commercial real estate group, the groups on LinkedIn are really kind of going back to the days of the bulletin boards. They're a group of people that collect together that have a favorite subject, and by being a person on a group like that that's providing input and providing uh, good content and being fitting into the group and congruent with the group, uh, you're putting yourself in the place where people are going to come to you and ask you for questions. Absolutely. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to look at it. That's, you know, Obviously, you can go on the web and you can find it. If you get a camera, you find a camera you want, you go in there and you search for the cheapest price. You go to one of those places that says uh, this guy's been rated as, uh, you know, uh, he's uh, like an 8 out of 10. He, you know, he always delivers the product, mm-hmm. and it's the cheapest on the web. Obviously, we go. We do that all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's you know people will write up on the person. But also, if you go to a guy's blog, um, one of my favorites is Randy Gage. Um, he has this great blog uh, called Randy's Rants, and 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 you get on there, and he talks. He puts out a blog every day or two, uh, you know, just about his his thoughts about motivation and prosperity, and people trust him, and they they buy a lot of stuff from Randy. And all he does is you know he's not pitching his stuff. He's just talking. He, his stuff's there. You can see it. And mm-hmm. People buy it. But he's not pitching it. And it's, uh, you know, you never feel like you've been pitched from Randy. And, and I try to do the same thing. You know, I put stuff out uh, here all the time. And, uh, you know, I never, I always try to tell a story. You know, like uh, Trader Joe's newspaper or the old yeah. magazine. You know, the old magazines where they tell the story of where they went to the, you know, the, 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 the deep, dark indies to get this shirt. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, remember those? I love yeah, those Yeah, I'm trying stories. to think. Those... Joe, Joe Sugarman used to do ads like that. Yeah, exactly. Joe Sugarman. I've got his one of his books here, and though I haven't read it, but it's, that's exactly I love stories. And so whenever I do an interview, I always put a little quip in there about how the interview came about and what we talked about and maybe something happened that you didn't see on camera, or I'll say something, hey, look here, when I, we do this, you'll see something happen, you know, because I want to make it personal. Mhm. You know. So you want, yeah, you are by doing that, you're taking the listener or the reader, and you're 
drawing them into the conversation that you're having with the person you're interviewing. Yes. You're getting it all pulled together. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to pay off. You know, a year ago, Bob, I had to beg, borrow, and steal to get an interview from a celebrity. <laughs> um, now uh, I, I, I'm able to get them all the time. And just recently I went to the Enlightened, um, Enlightened Entrepreneur Summit. Mm-hmm. And when I called up uh, Maria Simone, because I wanted to go, she said, Oh, JW, I love your blog, and I've, already, I've got uh, VIP tickets for you already. I want you to come. And then when I got there, you know, I see uh, Kim, um, Kim Castle, and I go, and Kim, she never gave me an interview before. And I walked up and said, Kim, you know, I, I'm with I'm JW with On Purpose Magazine. I'd really like. And she goes, Oh, Kim, oh, you're JW. I've been wa- I've been meaning to call you. You're on my list because I really want to do an interview with you. Huh. And I said, Wow, uh-huh. you know me. <laughs> it's just you know, things are really spun around, and uh, you know, and PR people are calling me and saying, Hey. Uh, recently, if you go to my site, I did an interview with um, Ken Scott, and he was the guy engineer on the original Beatles albums, the White Album. He was oh, the producer for wow. David Bowie. He did uh, Ziggy Stardust, and uh, he did the Supertramp album, the Devo album, Lou Reed Transformer, and he Cat mm-hmm. Stevens and Elton John, Honky Chateau, and Madman Across the Water, and uh, you know Truth by Jeff Beck. On and on and on. If there was an album in the 70s, he probably touched it, you know, somehow. Uh, so, I got to sit down with this guy. A PR company called me and said, "Hey, JW, uh, could you come down and interview this guy for us?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> exactly." So then they gave me, a, a, you know, one of those gallery copies of his book, and they signed it for me and everything. Uh, I mean, you know, you're in heaven when that kind of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. It's getting better all the time. You know, of course, you got to monetize it. But it's it's become a very fun thing for me to do, uh, and I really I really enjoyed it. Well, at some point in time, you you hit the tipping point. You hit the point where you'd done enough, you'd put out enough posts, you'd contact, you've done enough interviews that that it pushed you over the top, and people are are starting to know who you are and recognize you. Mm-hmm. And then you go you go to one of your seminars and you go talk with and you meet somebody like Laurel um, Langemeyer who can take mm-hmm. you to the next trip because once you got all the people trusting you and, and this is very important because you you, you you don't build it and they come or that you build it they come but they don't buy uh, and it's, this is very important to know there's a lady her name's Liz Strauss she's a dear sweetheart and now a good friend of mine she runs Sobcon every year in in, in um, uh, Chicago. And SobCon is where people like Procter, you know, the top 50 companies, top 100 Fortune companies, come like Procter and Gamble and Ford, come into a room with people like Guy Kawasaki and Chris Brogan and Jim Baer, you know, all the top bloggers. Mm-hmm. And the top bloggers really know how to get 100,000 to a million people to read their blog, and they know how to build community and build relationships and have people trust them, but they've never asked for a dollar, uh-huh. all for free, right? Mm-hmm. Well, of course. Companies like Procter and Gamble, who are incredible, wonderful companies that really want to do more community-wise and relationship-wise with their customer, they're big about that. Uh, a Ford or a GM, all these companies, they want to do more with their um, with the social media, and and you see it happening all the time on television now. All the companies that have joined Facebook and come to my Facebook page and get involved in all these contests and the behind the scenes with the programs, and they're all trying to build. Yeah, American Idol is really great at this. They're all trying to build this community following, and they're learning from these guys who build community, these huge bloggers, how to build the community where the bloggers are learning from these guys how to market. Mm-hmm. So Laurel Langemeyer is great. There's Maria Simone. There's people that you're going to have at your event that can take you to that next place where it says, okay, now you get the trust. Now you've got to set up the system. And the systems are, you know this, mm-hmm. systems are incredibly, incredibly important. You have to capture the names. You have to do what it takes to um, make sure that people, you get your product in front of the people once you capture them. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You you not only want them to visit your site, but you want to initiate a thread between you and them that connects you so that you can keep communicating. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, because there's, there's a science to, to, you know, getting this stuff in front of people, too. You just can't have the, they They don't call you up and say, J.W., I haven't seen an ad on your site. What do you want me to buy? Mm-hmm. Um, you've never sent me anything 
because you never captured my data. So I have 60% of my people coming to my site from Google search. Uh, my SEO is incredible. They come to my 60% of the people who come to my site come from Google. I don't know who they are if I don't capture them somehow. That, yeah, yeah. I never see them again maybe. Maybe they just wanted to read that one story and they're only going to wait till they Google up another story to come back. But, but if, if I capture them, then I can keep letting them know of new stories that come out. Yeah. If when they land there, they're immediately, you're trying to sell them something and you're trying to sell hard, your bounce rate is going to go up and they're going to be gone. Right. Absolutely. I really like the analogy that that uh, of a marketing relationship being like a romantic relationship. You walk in a room at a, at a cocktail party or a party and you don't know anybody there and you look around and, you know, your eyes connect with somebody. You see somebody for the first time that both of you have this connection like, huh, I'd, I'd like to get to know that person more. Well, there is a slow progression that is is kind of like a, a dance that's laid out. You talk, you find out if you have interests in life, alike, maybe you go out to coffee, uh, eventually you get a contact information, hopefully the first time, and, and so, you, you know, there's a slow progression. Eventually maybe you put your hand on the other person's shoulder while you're talking to them, but there's a... Um, and I don't remember the book on this. There's a, a book that goes through all of the steps based on a romantic relationship. And basically what it says is you can skip one step, but if you skip any two steps, you're going to get slapped <laughs> because you went too far too fast. And it's the same way in, in a relationship where someone is eventually going to become a customer of yours uh, you have to you have to take it step by step, and you have to gain their trust. But more importantly, it really needs to be something mutual. So many people, and that's the thing that drives me crazy with people who are teaching. Uh, this is how you create an image of an expert, or this is how you create this image so that people buy from you. And it's all false. It's eventually going to blow apart. And to me, a better word is identity. You know, your mm -hmm. identity has to attract the people that you want to attract, but you have to be real, they have to be real, and you want a long-term relationship that happens over and over again. Yeah, yeah and, and that is the perfect uh, analogy that you brought up because I, I've always told people that the Internet is the worst place to try to sell anything. It is more like a cocktail party where you're giving out your card. That's what you're meet, where you're meeting people. When you get them later to come to your um, your site or see your stuff, that's when you start the wooing process, as you called it, you know, the dating kind of process. And mm -hmm. once the wooing process is over, and sometimes you know it can take months, and sometimes it uh, can be as you know fast as a couple minutes. Uh, it depends on what you do and what you're selling and those kind of things, and how you know how bad the people want that particular thing from you, or you know they don't even care if it's from you, but they they see you with it, mm -hmm. so they want to get it. Um, so there's a lot of different uh, variables there. I'm getting ready to try something uh, coming up. I love authors. Mm -hmm. My site is, I, I really like doing authors and, and, and interviewing authors. And I go out there and I find out that the authors, this is, this is what happens in the world. These are the numbers, Bob. It's ridiculous. Three million new books come out a year. Maybe a thousand of them make any money at all. An average author sells maybe 400, 450 books. That means that the average author has uh, 40, maybe 4,500 books in their garage sitting there. Like uh -huh. that. Um, and that we're talking about the average. Many more sell more, <laughs> sell no more than four or five. That's their mom, their dad, their brother, and their sister. <laughs> and maybe, maybe uh -huh. their husband buys a couple just to make them feel better you know, or something, you know, their spouse. Um, so when I realized this, and I loved to interview um, authors, I said, you know, what ha what I, the thing I hear every time from the author is, I thought it would be hard to write a book, but then I wrote it. And it wasn't so bad. And I'm very happy with myself. And then I, oh, my gosh, I've got to get it published. I don't know anything about publishing. I go out there and I get it published, and I'm like, wow, that wasn't, that wasn't terrible. That was, you know, I figured it out, and I got it done, and now I have a book in my hand. Mm -hmm. Then that's when they realize that the journey just started. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> now we're on the marketing trail. Okay? So you got a book, but you got it might as well be a very expensive um uh, business card at this point. Right? Yeah, and that's because the very biggest learning curve of all. Yes, that is. It's huge. So the, what I'm trying on my site now is I'm going to make it available um, because most people, they don't have, you know, they're told by their publicists, go out there and get, you know, uh, if they, they either got to pay big money to have their publicists do this for them. But I'm just going to make it, I'm going to, I haven't got the program together yet. It's coming out soon as soon as I figure it all out. But I'm going to charge an extremely reasonable amount where you can't say no to it if you're an author and you're trying to market your book. And I'll give you a short in, uh, interview, you know, give you a page with your book on it and an interview and all the links to your site and a picture and a bio uh, for a moderate amount of money that you can afford and you'd be happy to spend. And you're going to be on my site with all those celebrities and top best-selling authors You'd be very happy to send your family or your publicist or your distributor or anybody that you're selling the book to to that site to say, look, On Purpose uh, Magazine did a story on me. Look at it. Ta-da. Wow. And we'll have, you know, we're going to do some, comp, you know, some, uh, what do you not, competitions. Um, how, what do you call those things? Contests. You win stuff. Contests. We'll do some contests and maybe some competitions too. What the heck? Like some of these art sites. I just want to make it really fun and start helping the author who I love get their book and start marketing it. And they get stuck in this, what do I do? Do I just, do I, you know, I also have 101,000, maybe, oh, 103,000 Twitter connections. I have thousands of Facebook connections and thousands of connections all over the web and people that read my stuff. And I can get your, I can take those articles and get them out to those sources. Whereas, you know, you write your book and you realize I've got 29 friends on Facebook I've got four, maybe a hundred friends on LinkedIn, and you know, uh, two hundred mm-hmm. Twitter followers. You know, if you're lucky, uh, that's not a lot to really start marketing with. You know what I'm saying? So I can help people there, and that's you know, that's I think that's where the real value comes in. Not only do I give you this wonderfully wonderful-looking, valuable page, which anybody could give you, but I can start that marketing process out for you and really get it out there. And that's how people like Kim Castle and uh, Maria Simone and, and uh, Laurel Langham, that's how they know me. They've, read my, they've seen my stuff and read my stuff mm-hmm. and yeah. because I, can, I know how to get it out there. So I'm really thinking this is going to be a really great value add to um, authors. And if it works really good with authors, I'll do it with products next. Well, I think that's really brilliant and, and a wonderful service. Because I'm I'm connected with uh, the author industry a lot because a lot of people who are experts, you know, one of my recommendations to them is that they need to author a book for credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, once you actually have the book in your hands, that's just the beginning, and very few people actually make much money with a book. But right. the book can lead to uh, great financial independence if it's tied into something else, like their services or their consulting or their seminars. If it leads to something, a book is a wonderful introduction. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I, I, in fact, I want to, you know, I want my book up there. I have a book coming out in the middle of August. Uh, Morgan James is publishing it. Oh, our good friend Rick Fishman. How wonderful. Yeah, yeah, Rick Fishman and David Hancock. And uh, and uh, my my book will be published. I would love to I would love to have you interview me about my book and be be put on that side. Well, I'm gonna I'll make the invitation so. right now, Bob. Uh, you I want you to be on there so that all your friends will. When I put my thing together, they'll all want to be on this, have their book on the site with Bob. All right, good deal. It is a deal. Now let me ask you this, JW. Uh, we've been talking a long time, and I, I haven't given you an opportunity, and I want to, to let our listeners know uh, your contact information. How would somebody get in touch with you, or how would they how would they find this site when you do start publishing your book interviews? Um, absolutely. You can go to On Purpose Mag, or at, at On Purpose Mag is the Twitter site for On Purpose Magazine, uh, JW, at JW Nigerian. N-A-J-A-R-I-A-N uh, is my Twitter account, and I have various Twitter accounts all over the place, so that's how I have 103,000 connections. 
what I do is I, I, I when I do connections, Bob, I don't want connections for the sake of connections. I want targeted connections. So I have multiple Twitter accounts with this one's targeted for the philanthropist, this one's targeted for authors, this one's targeted for commercial real estate. I don't put them together. So combined, all my Twitter accounts are about 103,000. Uh, you can catch me on Facebook at uh, you know facebook.com slash jwnigerian. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can catch me on LinkedIn at uh, LinkedIn slash JW. I mean, I'm, I, if you can spell my name, you can catch me. Okay. Well, the the spelling for anybody that can't spell it is JW or the initials and then N A J A R I A N. Yeah, just go to onpurposemagazine.com and boom, you can that get would, all my that contact information. That would be a good one. That would be there a good go. one. On Purpose Magazine because there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of interesting blog articles there. Oh there's yeah, it's, it's just fun to go to. You know, it's just people are telling me it's just fun to go to my front page because I have, a, you know, like about uh, 50 featured articles there from every kind of star and uh, singing stars, uh, uh, great movie actors. You know, I mean, just just some really cool people. I mean, really great stuff there. So just fun to flip through. But one of the things I have noticed, uh, JW. Uh, because I follow you on Twitter, is that you don't, uh, unlike some people, you're not promoting yourself like a good network person, like a good connector. You are finding things of value and you're publishing links and articles and items of interest that people are interested in. Yes, you know, actually I do need to promote more, but right now Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is if you know the secret to Twitter especially, uh, the secret to Twitter is hashtags and mentions. Um, a lot of people say retweeting. Well, it, that's important to me if so you retweet me, but I don't retweet as much as I use hashtags and mentions. So if let's say I just did an article, I just talked to Magic Johnson about him buying the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. So I put on there uh, pound video, pound interview, at Magic Johnson, pound Lakers, pound Clippers, the, you know, the whole thing pound basketball, and what happens is, let's say that I have that. This is a secret. Everybody can use this right now. This will really be huge for you. Hashtags. Everybody goes, what are those for? This is what they're for. Let's say that I'm um, John Smith, and I have 29 Twitter connections. Mm -hmm. But I want everybody to see who loves sports, my interview with Magic Johnson. I'm excited. I got to interview Magic Johnson. I want everybody who is in sports uh, to know that I did that. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you put pound sports in the, in, in the 140 characters. Okay? Now, the millions and millions and millions of Twitter followers that love sports, if they search on pound sports, your article will come up, along with everybody else who put pound sports in there. But believe me, uh, let's say I do it. I have maybe 20,000 uh, people that follow me on my on JW Nigerian. If I put out a thing that says, "Hey, you listen to my uh, interview with Magic Johnson," and I put at Magic Johnson pound basketball pound Lakers, everybody who loves the Lakers, everybody who loves basketball will see it. And at Magic Johnson's team, his PR team, notice that I mentioned Magic Johnson. Now he has about a million point two followers. Guess what they do? They retweet it to their million point two followers to go look at my article. I might have twenty nine connections that that's all. But because I mentioned the guy I'm talking about and because I put the hashtags, now I've got millions of people who want to go look at your stuff. Why would you not do that? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I noticed in some of those things you were, you were putting in more than one hashtag. I put in many, yes. So that puts you in each of those categories? Well, if I put pound uh, uh, video or audio, anybody who's looking for video, it pops up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so anybody looking for an interview, it pops up. Anybody looking for sports, it pops up. Every, anybody looking for basketball, it pops up. Anybody who loves the Lakers, it'll pop up. And, you know, and the Dodgers, and then pound Dodgers. And what you do is you don't have to put them all at the end. People put them at the end. I put them in the middle. So I go pound video, pound interview, at Magic Johnson. Uh, he just, you know, uh, talking about buying pound Dodgers. So I don't have to put pound Dodgers on the back. I, I just do it in, within the tweet. Okay, that's so I don't waste space. I only got 140 characters, remember. Yeah, 
So anytime I mention something, I put a pound in front of it that I want them to search on. So anybody searching for Dodgers will find that will pop up. And there's probably going to be one in a hundred that will want to go look at that out of the millions that get, that go and look up Dodgers. Okay. So. That, that is a brilliant technique, all right. And well, that's that, the power. That's why that's why you see, see all these hashtags around. You go, why does it put these hashtags? That's why. Yeah, I Why follow, do they do the at mentions? That's why. It's, okay. Yeah, because I, I have followed the hashtags a lot, and I go to that column, and I, you know, read about that particular subject, but I didn't understand the strategy behind it. Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. Well, that's why we're interviewing you, J.W., <laughs> we're finding <laughs> out things like this. That is great. And you you, um, you probably have things about LinkedIn that I don't know about, too. I'll give you a good tip on LinkedIn. I, I don't know. I think I gave you this before, but this is a hot one if somebody's listening to this that I, I, I really love. If you're on LinkedIn, you join groups, and you're allowed to join 50 groups. Mm-hmm. Um, if you join I Love uh, Dogs group with uh, 400 people in it, uh, that's great because now you can tell everybody I have, I'm in the dogs group and I really love that. But try to pick at least a few groups that are really huge about the subject that you like, and I'll tell you why. Let's say it's women's things, women's um, you know, issues that you're into. Mm-hmm. And I happen to be into women's issues I, you know, and, and women getting empowered. So... Join a few, like, Tories group. There's, there's a few groups there that are very big on women, or media groups. There's e-marketing and all those that are really big groups. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn allows you now. Let's say that you have 100 LinkedIn followers, but you have an article or something you want to say, and you want to put it out to a large number of people. So what you do is you go over to LinkedIn, you join the groups, and then it allows you to just pick all the groups, all 50 of them if you want, Put the article out of that and draw and let it go to all those things. And if there's some of these groups have 200,000 in each group, so you could easily hit 500,000 people with your only your 20 or 100 people that you're linked to in one fell click. Wow. So, like, if a person wrote a new blog post, could you do that? Could you yeah. Do that? When when you share with LinkedIn, it pops up and says share to groups. Click on share to groups. Pick out your groups. And say click. And if you had three groups and they were at two hundred thousand apiece, you've just shared to six hundred thousand people. That's pretty awesome. That is. That is a lot of impressions. And then I would think Or you can do it, it like everybody else does and spend years trying to build up to two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Amazing. I would think then the next step would be that the things that you're posting to those groups should be things of value to them. Interesting yes, you'll get kicked off the group if you're doing a lot of promotional crap. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Great. And so I would imagine then that uh, doing what you're doing and loving to work with authors, that uh, you're in some authors groups. And I am in the books, the books group. My favorite book there, uh, group there is books and authors. Okay. Okay, and so when you come up with a great idea or a great article, you um, you share it with your book group. I absolutely do. Okay, well, I am sure that there are a lot of people using LinkedIn that they think that the only person that people that they're publishing to are their group of friends on LinkedIn. Right. But that takes it to a whole new world. Yeah, that's plain small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's playing pretty small. You got you have to learn how to play bigger, and these programs allow you to do it very very easily. Uh, of course, you have to be putting out, like you said, it has to be quality. It can't be crap. Uh, if you start spamming um, these groups with uh, your look at my widget, you're going mm-hmm. to be in, they're going to kick you out, and you can't get back. Yeah, or you're going to get flamed and be sorry that you ever said anything. Yeah, they'll report you. They they love to report. They love to find people to report. There are people out there just waiting for somebody to do something stupid. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, a couple of brilliant strategies. So I I appreciate that. 
we didn't even get to the interview questions, and that's okay, because uh, we we had a really interesting conversation. One of the one of the things that I usually like to ask people, though, is in what you're doing, in your area of life, in your area of expertise, do you feel like you are making an impact in some area, or do you have a desire to make an impact? With what you're doing and what I totally desire to make an impact. I totally want to leave the planet a little better than I found it. That's my my mantra to try to leave the campground or the planet a little better than I found it. Uh, let me tell you something uh, because it's an interesting story that goes to that. Because sometimes you're out there and you're doing and you're doing and you're doing. And I just had a great interview with Walter Jacobson, uh, book Forgive to Win, where we talked about this at length. So you go on my site and listen to that because it's incredible and it'll get you to a new new place in your life just by listening to Dr. Jacobson and getting that book. Anyway, we're going back to it. Um, I remember in my commercial real estate uh, uh, blog, I, I, I'm a doom and gloomer. I'm writing that it's not, things are not happening very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things are, you know, no matter what you hear, the uh, market is not the economy. And because the market's up for a little while doesn't mean we're all okay now. Uh, and things are, things are rough out there. Um, but anyway, I write on doom and gloom, and I, you know, I don't like writing. On, I'm a positive guy. I don't like writing on <laughs> doom and gloom. I just can't find anything exciting in the economy to write about. Anyway, that aside, I was at a meeting, nothing to do with commercial real estate, nothing to do with real estate at all. It was a network marketing meeting for a company, and I'm at the, the meeting, and somebody comes up and says, are you JW? And I said, yes, I am. And I thought, wow, somebody knows me in network marketing. How cool is that? Um, they came up to me and said, can I give you a hug? And I said, okay. They came up, gave me a big hug, and said, thank you for saving us. And I'm like, oh, no, no. I'm like, what? I have no idea what, what you're talking about. She proceeded to tell me that her and her husband, who are pretty well, they're pretty well off. They had, uh, they had saved up a lot of money and were wanted to get into, wanted to take that into real estate. So they had been working on a real estate deal for quite a long time, and they were just getting ready to sign the papers when she happened to see my article and sent it to her husband. And her husband, after reading my article, pulled out of the deal at the last minute, really pissing off his partners. Um, and I don't remember if the partners finished off the deal. I hope they didn't, but it saved them millions. Mm. I met her. I saw her party last week, and she was telling this story again to somebody else when she saw me, and I heard her tell And it just feels so good to hear because I was about, I didn't want to write gloom and doom. I, was about, I actually told my wife I'm going to start, stop writing these things because they're probably not doing anything good but putting out negativity into the universe kind of thing, woo-woo. And when you hear that, you go, no, you know what? You go out there and you be you and you be authentic and you will, you will change somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, to me, and that's why I guess I asked that question is because to me, that's what's really important. Whatever position you attain, whatever amount of influence you attain, you need to use it to make an impact on other people because that's that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, we are running out of time, but it has been a great conversation. This has been with J.W. Najarian and uh his site is onpurposemagazine.com. Am I correct? Yeah, and you can always send if you want to send me an email. It's onpurposemagazine.com. If you want to send me an email, it's JW. You know, if you've heard something you'd like and you want to get a hold of me, especially for the author thing, JW at networkfool, F-O-O-L.com. That's network, N-E-T-W-R-K-F-O-O-L.com. Okay. Well, and in the last few seconds, J.W., let me uh, also invite you to check your calendar. And if you're available in September, it is uh, September 20th to 23rd. In Dallas, right? our conference in Dallas, yeah. Yeah. So if if you could come, I'd love to spend some time with you. I would love to. I would love to get out there. I, I can't firm it up right now, but uh, uh, we'll pencil it in, and I'd love to meet uh, the people that come. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was really enjoyable. Thank you, Bob. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'll have you on my show really soon. Great. Have a good day. You too. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Experts Weekly, hosted by Bob Baer. Experts Weekly, where best-selling experts reveal proven strategies, tools, and tactics on branding, marketing, publishing, public speaking, and publicity that you can use and implement to succeed, profit, and make an impact. Be sure to tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central Time, and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information, contact radio at bestsellingexperts.com. See you again next week.